You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Uh, you are listening to the official It's All Dead podcast, which is a podcast about music. I am Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. So glad you could join us tonight. Uh, recording this a couple of days before the Thanksgiving holiday, but if you're listening, Thanksgiving is already over, and uh, we hope you survived the holiday of uh, uncomfortable uh, situations with family, maybe. I don't know. Um, it can happen. Uh, but today's conversation on this podcast is not at all uncomfortable. And in fact, it is going to be quite delightful. I'm excited to have it. Um, if you have been coming to our website recently, you know that we uh, recently did a, a three-day feature where we uh, counted down the best 30 albums of the decade, according to us, at least. Um, we had a blast. We hope you were able to check it out. If you haven't um, and you're going to listen to this podcast, I would uh, recommend that you go to itsalldead.com and check out um, the features. We ran them in sets of 10. So there's three articles that break down uh, 10 albums each, counting from 30 to 1. Um you know, we love making lists. I love making lists. I'm so grateful to uh, the other people that contribute to the the website for making lists with me. But it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I love doing our end of the year lists. I love making random lists. We've done best, you know, track ones. We've done all, all this stuff. But the decade list was an obvious one. Um, it, we put a lot of time um, and thought into it. And I was really happy with how it turned out. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. And so today we are going to use this podcast um, to talk about that, we're going to talk about the list, but mostly we're going to reflect on the decade. And we're going to talk about why we chose the albums we chose and, and what the past decade of music has meant to us. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest tonight. First up, we've got Kyle Schultz uh, calling in from Chicago. Hello, Kyle. How to do? And we have our good friend Nadia uh, on the phone as well. And she has said the word wicked uh, at least five times already because it is wicked cold <laughs> up there in the Northeast. That wasn't a good accent. Hi, Nadia. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. Your best Boston accent, but it's all right. Yeah. That I don't was know what you're talking good. about. It was spot on. <laughs> it like turned Australian towards the end. Uh, I'm not sure why, but um, I'm going to keep working on that. Um, Kyle and Nadia obviously write for It's All Dead, and they um, were big collaborators. We all we all contributed ten albums to the list of thirty, um, and yeah, I, I think I, I was really happy with what we came away with. And I'm interested to talk with both of you about some of the albums you chose. But before we even get into talking about the albums specifically, I, w I wanted to ask each of you, like, for you, what sort of defined this decade? As you were thinking back on the 2010s in terms of music, what was it about the decade that, that stuck out to you? Um, Nadia, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Also, do I say wicked that much? I think I do, and that might be a problem. Anyway. Um, it's all good. I like it. So I would say it's that this day. was like the first decade <laughs> that I was consciously listening to my own music. Um, we've talked about that a lot on the site when I do my album reflections and stuff like that um but i have really come into my own in this decade and that's kind of special yeah um what about you kyle uh for me there is a big theme of rebirth mm -hmm. um the music i listened to a lot you know growing up uh it seemed like it was really fizzling out in the early 2000s <laughs> like around between 2005 2010 um a lot of the bands i loved and just the sound of uh, music that I'm really passionate about. It seemed like it 
was just getting lazy and uh, tired. No one had anything else new to say. And then right around 2011 or so, there was this mass bump where suddenly all these new bands came onto the scene and they had something to say and they had something great to say. And it seemed like it revitalized some of the older bands uh, and got them out of their hole as well and got them into this place that almost brought them back to um, being bigger than they'd ever been before. Yeah, that's a really great point. I And I actually was thinking about that back when we started the site in 2013. It felt like that that moment was happening for sure. Like right then it was, it was a thing. And yeah, you know, for me, when I, when I think back about the 2010s and I was working on this list, I thought about two things. I thought about the sound that we heard, just like the sonic experience of the decade, which was very eclectic. Uh, I think we started to see clearly defined genres start to dissolve a little bit and things start to bleed together. Um, But when I think about like just the, the 80s influence across so many of the albums I loved this decade, um, sort of the synth pop revival that happened. There was a lot of that, like sort of like happy, joyful sounding music, but the decade itself was defined by really dark, introspective lyrics. I, I, I couldn't help but think as I was going back through and, and thinking about the list, like how many albums were so, and, and you know, dark is sort of a cliche word, but I, I do feel like it was a very introspective decade especially as we moved into sort of the second half and trying to make sense i think of just society i mean here in america at least um but i think in general it was people asking a lot of internal uh questions and and being kind of inquisitive about a number of things i I don't know if that stuck out to to anybody because nadia i know some of the albums i feel like that you contributed to this like definitely fit that sort of tone oh yeah that's me that's my vibe (laughs) But was that something that you like that was clear to you as you were thinking through it? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's been um especially I feel like what's funny is I think I feel like the cultural shift happened after that whole like OMG the mind said the world's gonna end in twenty twelve. Like I feel like it really took a turn. Mm. Like societally. I don't know. that doesn't like that's kind of half joking, but like I feel like everything got significantly darker once 2012 ended and we kind of moved into the next phase of like presidential elections and all kinds of, you know, just cultural things that have happened over these past 10 years, which it's a lot. If you think about it, it's like so much, so many things have happened that have just like kept twisting every part of society, but specifically music, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing, and I've, so for the past, I don't know, three years, I think on this podcast, I've been asking different people about like since the election. And I've been talking about like this American idiot type moment where there would be some sort of like, when we looked back, this is the album that responded to the time we were in. And I've realized over the past few years that everything is, is that moment. Like everything is American idiot in the sense of like, everybody is trying to process through um, what we've been experiencing, what people have been feeling. Um, and it's, it's, and that's why it hasn't stuck out as this one thing is because there's been, there's been so much processing of it all, um, without anybody having to really take some sort of stand or anything. Um, and that's been really, that was really interesting to think about. And I, and so one of the things I wanted to ask both of you, so I proposed this idea, we're going to do the best 30 albums of the decade. And, you know, 30 seems like a lot because we'd normally do like lists of 15 or 10. Um, but then when I thought about it, I was like, well, wait a minute. There were only 10 years in the decade. 
and I only get to choose 10 albums. And like, I know every year I picked an album that was the best album of that year. Are those my 10 albums or do I have to like pick different things? Like, how do I think about this? Like we could have done a list of a hundred, right? And in a way that would have freed us up to choose more of the things that we didn't want to cut, but there's only three of us. Like we wouldn't have had time to pull that off. Probably we would have been working on it for most of the year. So knowing going into this, that you had to choose 10 albums from across 10 years, like what was your process as you were considering what, what you were going to choose, Kyle? I, I had a mild panic attack. (laughs) Um, and then I just, I have my music collection. I just sorted out, uh, between every year of the decade and just, I looked through the list of, um, albums that really meant a lot to me and it was like oh i'll pull that one i'll pull this one and i ended up with somewhere along the lines of like 40 albums to listen to um or to kind of uh piecemeal through and see what i liked about them what i didn't and um just parse it down from there and it it became brutal at the end (laughs) yeah well i actually had a similar experience in a in a sense because in Nadia, earlier this year, we were talking, we did that Spotify podcast and we were talking about just the gravitation away from full album listening. And I can say leading up to making this list, I listened to a ton of albums in their entirety in a way that I haven't in a while. Like I sat down and listened to full albums again to get myself back in the headspace where I could like make these sorts of decisions. What was it like for you? You know that I texted you a bunch and I was like, I don't know whether I should be personal, whether I should be objective. So I kind of went more on the objective side of things with albums that, quite frankly, I didn't really like or listen to during the decade. But I knew had such a big impact, like culture wide that I knew had to be included. So when you talk about like things we had to cut, a lot of the albums that I cut were more of a personal choice, you know? Yeah. So that that is definitely a thing. And that we always talk about that when we do these at the end of the year of like, you know, choosing between your favorites versus what's the best and what does that even mean? And um, I, yeah, I definitely had that experience. And we're, and we're going to talk about a few that I think for all three of us probably missed the cut simply because we couldn't get it over that hurdle of something we love versus something that deserved to be on a best albums of the decade list, which I think is fascinating. Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk about some albums that are actually on the list. Um, and I'll start with you, Nadia. So our, you know, in the rankings of these, we all delivered the albums and then, you know, we're kind of like, I'm throwing stuff together, trying to figure out how to rank them. I still am not at all convinced that the rankings are right, but you know, whatever it's completely arbitrary it is what it is but the album that came out uh in number three was an album by the 1975 that you contributed nadia which is their album from last year a brief inquiry into online relationships and i think that album's gonna end up getting a lot of love on these sorts of lists although i almost feel like i like it when you sleep could have potentially made the list instead um but i'm wondering for you like what um, what was it about this particular 1975 album that made it something that was going to kind of stand the, the test of time as we look back on the decade? Well, again, it's the personal versus the objective. I totally would have rather put I Like It When You Sleep on the al- on, on the list because I just like that album better. Um, yeah. It's way more listenable, in my opinion. But I think that the point of online relationships is that it's not so easy to listen to. It kind of actually makes you sit sure. down and think about it. Um, and to go back to like your earlier point about like the whole American idiot, um, moment that Green Day had, I almost feel like this album might be 
like the American Idiot album of the decade. Yeah, that's um, uh, yeah, that, that might be. Kind of looked at everything in such a broad scope, rather than just making another album about whatever they were doing with their lives at the point. And yeah, that's kind of why it made the list for me. I'm kind of glad to see it up so high because um, it means that yeah. you both agree. That that is the best argument for that album, and that like conceptually, it is maybe the most poignant and it's the album that captures this decade itself more than any other album that came out this decade like an album that's just talking about this decade kind of and that is like that's absolutely a thing um and they did it really well um kyle something i knew was going to be on the list and again going back to the early days of it's all dead aaron west and the roaring 20s um, this is one of the first albums I remember you giving like a really great score when it came out. And of course, this is uh, Dan Campbell from the Wonder Years, his side project, and he's put out another Aaron West album too. Um, but this one, this one was a big one for you. It made our top 10. Um, what, what, I'm, I'm, I know that this one had to be like an obvious choice from your perspective. It was literally the first album I said was definitely going on the list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I have a thing for the Wonder Years. I love them a lot, but um, Aaron West is just something completely different. It's uh, a range of just pop folk music um, and indie rock, but what really hits home is just how disturbing, troubling, and intimate it is. Um, the entire thing's, you know, it's basically a novel set to music, and the entire point is you have a character and just break them down to the point where there's nowhere else left to go other than up. And um, it's an interesting character study of just watching someone who could be anyone and they face the greatest trials of their life in the first song and the rest of the album is just watching them spiral, uh, just thinking about it continuously. Yeah, And um, it's it's dark, it's depressing, but it, it's one of those things where it almost feels like it's a necessity to listen to, to fully... Um, grasp uh how good of a storyteller that music can be yeah and you know when i think about it's all dead and just what our site is about like that album for sure like captures i think what the past seven years of our website when i think about it that's definitely an album that's kind of a, a centerpiece to to what we talk about and who we are you know for me um and i obviously talk about this a lot like you know hip-hop is the genre that was my first love and um rap music is something that has been a part of my life um more so and less so throughout different time periods but the 2010s is when hip-hop went from being sort of this side genre this niche genre to being something that had something to say that captured everyone's attention and that's why for me it had such a large presence in the list from kendrick lamar um, and to Pippa Butterfly. And then, of course, the number one album I put was Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twist of Fantasy. And this is someone who, again, if you listen to this podcast, you you know the story about Kanye and I, and that this is somebody that has been my favorite musical artist of my life, um, who I am now at a point with that I can barely stand to um, give him the time of day uh, due to... <laughs> you know, events of the past few years that relate directly to all these things that we've talked about that have been so frustrating about this decade. Kanye encapsulates all of the things that have been like heartbreaking about the back half of the 2010s. At the same time, 
his music in the front half of this decade, in my mind, is literally what set the table for everything that came after it. And it starts with My Beautiful Dark, Just a Fantasy, coming out in 2010. Um, an album that not only, in my mind, is the top album of the decade, but an album that will, you know, is one of the greatest albums ever made and will definitely stand the test of time in that regard. Somebody who um, was literally on the brink of having his career being over, crafting something that sounds like nothing really that had ever been done before. Certainly no other rap album that had ever sounded like this. Um, and coming from such a place of deep introspection um, and somebody that was literally tunneling in on themselves um, in order to like shine a light on all of the worst things about themselves and sort of the self deprecating way that's presented as celebratory, but throughout the album is, is making clear that, these are the things that I hate. Um, certainly that's something that resonates with me, but I think that it's something sonically and conceptually that opened up a door that so many people started rushing through in the 2010s when they were crafting art. And I think it's undeniable uh, the influence that that album had. So while it's difficult now to think about Kanye in, in 2019, um, the 2010s are not the 2010s without him as an artist and specifically my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. So that was um, my reasoning for placing it where I did on the list. Um, I want to talk about a couple surprises and, you know, obviously there was no policing from anybody on this. It's just go make your list. Um, that being said, when everybody delivered their lists, I'm sure we all raised our eyebrows at a few things or, um, were surprised at a, at a few different moments. And so I want to talk about a few of those albums. Nadia, for you, the one that uh, definitely caught me off guard the most was Lady Gaga's Born This Way. But that's not the album I want to ask you about. The one I, I really want to talk about is uh, 21 Pilots' Blurry Face. Because I think, I, I mean, I know that this is a big band for you. And this is a band that's been huge this decade. I mean, they've really blown up towards the middle and uh, back half of this decade. And surprisingly the most comments I saw on our list were about how 21 pilots should have been higher, which really, really took me aback. I did not see that coming. Um, so Nadia, talk a little bit about your process when it came to that album. I would just like to thank the lovely commenters for justifying my decision. <laughs> first of all, even my personal Facebook post, I mm -hmm. uh, posting this, I had someone tell me that should be the case. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Love y'all. Um, First of all, that album rules. I don't know if you've really listened to it, because um, to be honest, I only listened to 15 out of 30 albums on the list, and well, of course, 10 of them were mine. Whoa. So, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, I've never listened to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I'll, oh, my God. Con confess that now, and we can talk about it later. Um, wow. But Blurry Face was like such a big album for me when it came out. I first started listening to them in 2013 with Vessel when they signed to Fueled by Ramen. And I love Vessel. I personally think it's a better album than Blurry Face. But um, I don't know. Blurry Face is the one that brought them to the top. So that's why I chose Blurry Face specifically. Um, but the story that album tells is like really something new. Um, especially to this like the emo scene. I feel like everybody kind of beat around the bush a little bit on the mental health front for a long time. And 21 Pilots was like, no, we're going to talk about this. And they did. Um, so that's why I put it on the list, just because I feel like it kind of turned the tide of 
being afraid to talk about mental illness when instead we should really just be like, yes, this is the thing that I experience and it sucks, but also sometimes it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, it's certainly, again, a band and an album that was a big part of, of this decade when we look back on sort of a moment that that band had. Um, I, I feel like we need to stop this podcast and just sit and listen to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy together. But I'll we'll, listen to it after. We'll, we'll save that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, so Kyle, the one of yours that caught me off guard was Danger Days by My Chemical Romance. And the reason is it, that's the album of theirs that you and I have talked about the least, I think. And so from that vantage point, I don't think I really knew your thoughts fully on the album. And it's an album that I like. I probably like it better now than I liked even when it came out. But I was surprised to see it make the cut for you. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Um it's one of those that I actually forgot it came out this decade. I thought it was in like 2009. Um, I hadn't even really considered it. And then I found it was on my list, like when I was sorting things out and uh, it, it's an album that like you, you want to forget about almost. Um, And I, I feel like it's biggest sin is that it had to follow the black parade. There's just, there's no way to top that. And because of that, I feel like it never really got um, the attention that it deserved. And then I realized I've been listening to this album almost nonstop since it came out, um, you know, all those years ago. And it's just, it's in my constant rotation. Uh, The songs from it, I put on my own personal playlists, uh, almost as standard tracks at this point. And it's uh, an album that I just have found myself going back to over and over and over and over and really not knowing why. And um, when I was putting this list together, I really put it on and listened to it a couple of times uh, while trying to decide if I wanted to include it or not. And what really stuck out to me is just, it felt like the album that My Chemical Romance has been wanting to make um, since the beginning of their career. It's just, they go full out and experiment with sound, they experiment with a tempo they're trying to tell an adventure story and just the amazing amount of scenery and description every song the hidden guitar solos uh in every song or not every song but in some songs um just the flow of it it's not perfect but it's this stretch that they took uh because there really wasn't anything else left for them to do and it really is an amazing album that i think a lot of people forget about yeah, I mean, you're right in that it suffered from coming after the Black Parade and nobody was really ready for it or knew what to do with it. I I went back to it after watching the Umbrella Academy earlier this year, uh, Jordway's uh, graphic novel that became a, a Netflix show. And I think I still, my biggest hang up with it is that I wish it was three to four tracks shorter. It just feels like it goes on a little bit long um, and, and thus isn't quite as cohesive as the Black Parade or uh, Three Cheers. But that being said, I mean, there's there's some truly great songs on that album. Um, and I, th- I think it's cool that it's on our list because it's not something that you'll see a lot. Um, so I think that's neat. Um, I'm going to put both of you on the spot and ask you to... Oh, no. One, was there any album of mine that made the list that caught you off guard or an album that made you roll your eyes that I included? Well, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy made me roll my eyes. But I knew it was going to be on there. 
I'm kind of in the same boat with Nadia. (laughs) I guess guess it should be there. So it's funny because that's the one I said should be number one, and you probably both hated it. So that's fine. But Nadia, you haven't listened to it. (laughs) No. (laughs) I I think when you listen to it, you're going to feel different. We'll talk about it later. That's very true. Okay. I mean, I don't know. You got to open yourself up a little bit. Um, Dude, I opened myself up so much to a lot of these albums. I got to be honest. <laughs> well, you said you've only... Well, in a game. All right. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so I want to talk about some things that didn't make the cut that surprised me. And there are a couple bands when I think about this decade, and I think about our website, and I think about the bands that we seem to talk about the most. There were a few that didn't make the list that I feel kind of bad that they didn't and I could argue them in, but then you have to argue something else out. And so I'm going to ask both of you about a specific band for each of you. And Nadia, I want to ask you about Isley because this is a band. I mean, you and I uh, just a couple months ago did our big Isley podcast. We've, we've covered Isley. I mean, of all the bands we've written about in seven years that it's all dead, Isley is probably in the top 10 of like bands that we've talked about, whether it be on our podcast, album reviews, interviews with the band. I mean, how is it that um, they put out three albums this decade? How did one not make our list? It would have been there if we had gone the pitchfork route and done like the most, the thousand best albums of the decade. You know, I feel like I had to cut off a lot of things that were like more on my radar than quite frankly, a lot of the things that are on my list. Um, Quite honestly, I listened to, Beyonce's Lemonade for the first time in the making of this list. Um, And I just knew it had to be on there because it's Beyonce. Um, But I really would have put Currents on. Um, I know we talked a lot about The Valley, and that's obviously a great album. We love it. They're one of their best albums. But much like Danger Days for Kyle, I feel like um, Currents hit that same chord for me where it was just so creative and like so groundbreaking, especially for the band who is kind kind of at a standstill at that point. Um, that I just think that I would have put Currents on there if I had to pick one of theirs. Yeah. So I expected you to include one of their albums. And when you didn't, I almost cut. Uh, so Heim's album Days Are Gone was the last album of my 10 to make the list. And I almost cut it to put the valley on, but I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. And I still go back and forth on it, but... Um, but yeah, it, it is, yeah, it's surprising that they didn't make it. Yeah. I had a big and, list of honorable mentions. And so to that point, Kyle, um, a band that you and I have bonded over, I mean, as much as any band in the time that, um, we've known each other and an album that, uh, another band that put out, I believe three albums this decade, one, two, three, four albums this decade, <laughs> um, and did not make the list was yellow card. Um, so one, uh, talk about that. And two, if were they in the running? And if so, what album would you have included? Oh, they were absolutely in the running. Um, Yellow Card is one of, I think, three bands that I had extreme guilt about not including. Yeah. Um, and for a, a little bit, I had two of their albums uh, actually in the list. <laughs> oh, wow. So what um, were the two albums? So I was fighting really hard between Southern Air and When You're Through Thinking Say Yes. Because mm-hmm. um, the 2010s have been an amazing decade for that band. They came back uh, arguably stronger than ever um, and really put forth, I think, 
their best catalog uh, or the best albums of their discography. Um, the thing for me, though, is that I truly love that band. Um, and as much as I worship their albums, I've noticed that after the release of them, I don't tend to listen to the entire thing very often. I tend to cherry pick my music and they have, I think some of the greatest songs written this decade. Um, in terms of just songs, I think there's no, uh, question that they're, uh, in the running for the absolute best, but in terms of full albums, um, it, it was hard for me to pick an album that I thought this is one of the best. I, uh, I feel like each of their albums, they have something great and something unique, but there's just a little bit of filler on all of them. So, yeah. And I mean, and again, you, you're right. Like they, they owned this decade in a lot of ways. And it's funny how it almost feels like a long time ago when it really wasn't, you know, I mean, they just yeah. broke up a few years ago, but it, for some reason it feels like all of that happened more than a decade ago. I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, that's the weird thing. They had such an amazing comeback, and they did so much work and made so many um, great songs and put out more albums this decade than they did in their initial run as a band, I I yeah. think. Um, but it, it also feels like they were almost a flash in the pan. Like, they were here, they did something brilliant, and they're just gone. Yeah. Um, and it, it almost feels like a waste because so much work did go into uh everything they created and um it i i don't know it's hard to explain like you're absolutely correct it feels like it's just been years since they've been gone and they just put out their final album like two years ago yeah it's it's bizarre if i could have chosen an album of theirs uh it would have been southern air that was an album that i reviewed when it came out and gave it a stellar score and if you'd asked me then it's like this is a hundred percent going to be an album at the end of the decade that I'm still going to be, which I still do love the album and it was hard to not see it make the list, but yeah, very interesting. Um, fallout boys, another band that I feel like we, we could have talked ourselves into in some way, shape or form. I, that one's a little bit tougher for me. Um, you know, I, I, what I thought about, there's all these bands I loved and listened to a ton this decade, the, you know, Mayday parades and bless the falls of the world that I, I mean, there was no way I was, they were going to make a list like this for me. Um, but yeah, we, I, there were just these few outliers that were in that world that I know we all love and listen to a ton. And you can also argue them onto this list, but it's just so hard, uh, when you have to make tough choices. Well, so, yeah. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. If I had made, if you had said pick your top 10 albums of the year, it would have been a completely different list, except for probably Paramore, of course. Um, because all of Paramore's albums would have been on my list, but, um, I feel like that's just the way it goes. Um, well, that's actually a really great segue um, because one of the other things I wanted to talk about was, so we, I don't, I think it was unspoken. I don't remember if we explicitly said it. Maybe we all just knew that we were only going to include one album per artist or band. So we weren't going to double up and that makes it hard, right? Cause you know, just because because there there are truly artists on this list that had two of the best 30 albums of the decade but we only let ourselves choose one um i believe that and so i want to ask each of you about a scenario respective to your choices and yours nadia is i expected you to have 
an album by Paramore on this list, I expected that album to be After Laughter. It was instead their self-titled. So talk a little bit about that decision. Well, I, that's kind of why I asked you guys for your list before I even kind of started to make mine because I wanted to kind of get a feel for what was going to be on there. And also I didn't want to get attached to anything if, you know, you guys had anything on there. Like if um, Kyle put a Panic at the Disco, I was going to put Too Weird to Live, Too Road to Die by Panic at the Disco. And then I saw that he had put Vice Interesting. Uh, vices and virtues and i switched out um (laughs) sorry but no it's fine um but i kind of feel like that was a little unspoken but almost i didn't want to i feel like we needed a little bit of diversity so that's why i kind of picked 10 totally different albums um but regarding paramore obviously everybody knows my great love for paramore um but i just feel like their self-titled was a i don't want to i don't want to say this because it's, like, not true, but also it's the only, like, way I can think to say this, like, a better album than After Laughter. Um, they just kind of come out of their dark, like, their Picasso Blue period with the whole problem with um, band members leaving and everybody being aggravated at each other. And I kind of feel like they came back with such a strong album. Um, that's kind of why I picked it. And After Laughter is totally a strong album, and it's come out of a different set of circumstances, um, and obviously there's a complete argument to be made for it to be on the list because it really does tie into that whole eighties revival that you were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. but self-titled is where it's at. Well, you know, and the fact of the matter is after laughter is going to be on a lot of these kinds of lists. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the darling album from this band from two years ago that all of, um, the critics kind of picked up on is like, and you, there were so many things of like, Oh, Paramore finally grew up and Paramore isn't the same old pop punk band. They were back during misery business or whatever. While Paramore fans know that that, that era ended before after laughter mm-hmm. and their self-titled is that album. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that it is the superior album. Now I, I would have been fine with after laughter on the list too, because that's a great album as well. But um, that that's what I found so funny about the narrative from after laughter is that it was this big turning point for the band. And, and it was in a way another turning point, but I think it's unfair to the self-titled yeah. to declare after laughter as this album that changed everything because the self-titled is a really damn good album and it is not a pop punk album so no it's not it's total pop and there's not a song on that album that i can skip and i'm pretty sure it's like 20 tracks long yeah so, and there's a lot of after laughter that i'm kind of like eh, i guess i'm in the mood for this today you know what i mean yeah so so kyle for you and this one was interesting because you and i've had so many conversations about the wonder years since we've known each other and what I always felt, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my perspective, and then you can tell me uh, your thought process on this. All right. My perspective on this band and you and I was always that I preferred Suburbia and you preferred The Greatest Generation. We both love both albums, but each of us liked one a little bit more than the other. So when I, I knew you were going to have them on this list, and I assumed it would be The Greatest Generation, and I was shocked when it was Suburbia I've given you all and now I'm nothing. Um, so... One, tell me if I'm completely wrong in that assessment that I just gave. And two, um, what what was your process in, in making that choice? No, um, I think that's pretty accurate. We've literally spent six, seven years uh, discussing how those two records are the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. Um, and I, in terms of just listening, I listened to The Greatest Generation 
at least once a week for the last six years. I love that album. Um, when it came time to uh, pick one for this list, though, I really sat down and thought about it, and what I came to is The Greatest Generation is an amazing album, but if you don't know the history uh, of the band, if you don't know Suburbia, if you don't know the upsides, it doesn't have the same impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a period at the end of a sentence. like It wraps everything up. You can hear some chord progressions. You can hear some lyrics in songs that uh, they only really strike you if you listen to the past albums. Mm-hmm. Um, Suburbia, I remember exactly where I was for each of these albums, but for Suburbia, I was just starting to get out on my own. Um, and it was the first album I'd ever listened to that really took a hard glance at what it was like being someone who didn't know what their future was, who didn't know uh, what to do other than minimum wage jobs. They just sat and worked and didn't know what their future held, but they're looking forward to it. Um, and it's the first Wonder Years album that truly gives them a voice. The Upsides is there, but if you listen to The Upsides and Suburbia, it's almost two different bands. Uh, you know, they initially got famous from The Upsides for having positive music and just happy, you can't be sad. And they came back with it with Suburbia and really took a realistic approach and just went, that was kind of a fantasy. This is what you really um, are going to experience. And it's something that somehow just, even though it's stories about their life in Philadelphia, it mentions their friends by name, it somehow struck a chord with everyone of that age who listened to it, where it it related to you specifically in a weird way. Um, You know, listening to it, Woke Up Older mentions one of my ex-girlfriends by name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's just, it's one of those, it's an album that without it, The Greatest Generation doesn't hold half the weight. Um, And it gave The Wonder Years a maturity that they lacked in their first album. And uh, it really paved the way for them to hit the uh, epitome of, you know, just a pop punk record. And that has allowed them since then to experiment and venture outward. And it's uh, really given birth to a greater sound than um, what they have with just this album. And because this album, it came out at the beginning of the decade, I feel like a lot of the newer bands that came after this were um, influenced almost specifically because of this. Yes. 100%. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those albums that the, when I sat and thought about it, without this, we would have none of the music that I listen to today. Well, that was a great explanation. That was really incredible. Poetic. And You're welcome. The, the amazing thing about this, so both of us love both these albums. Both of us like one album a little bit more than the other. And both of us would have chosen the opposite album for this list. So if I if, it, <laughs> if I was just making my 30 best albums of the decade, I would have chosen The Greatest Generation, even though I like Suburbia more. So that's that's really fascinating. But I think it speaks to like how damn good this band was in the 2010s and how like vital they were. Um, and I, you know, and, and part of it and, and Kyle, like, honestly, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say this on air when I suburbia came out a year before we met and the greatest generation came out during that one year period where we were like living in the same city and I didn't know anybody and we were bonding over music and going to shows all the time. And because of that, I feel like I have 
this thing in my brain that attaches that album to this time period where like you know with you and i where i was like that that's why it pushes it ahead in my mind a little bit so not to get mushy on you or anything but (laughs) (laughs) that's what i think about when i think about the greatest generation um so yeah okay um so knowing that we didn't choose two albums from one artist i want to ask who if we could if you could have chosen two from one who is the artist and what's the other album and so I'll, i'll go first mine is uh Kendrick Lamar and you know to pimp a butterfly if I had to choose one I guess is the obvious choice um because of what it meant well just because of how unique it is um because of how important it was in the cultural conversation because of what it meant to Black Lives Matter um it's just a it's a touchstone for this decade that being said it's the middle album of a three album run that I think is unparalleled like in the history of music. And I'm sure there's like some Beatles fans out there or something that would argue with me, but in at least in recent history, I don't think anybody has put out three consecutive albums as good as good kid, mad city to pimp a butterfly and damn. Um, so then that raises the question, well, if you chose another one, what would the other album be? I think it would be good kid, mad city. <laughs> but I'm still not a hundred percent sure. Cause I kind of want to include all three. Um, it's just been that, that great of a run, but that's mine. Um, what, what's yours, Nadia? Well, now you got me thinking because we were talking <laughs> about 21 pilots. I could say vessel. I love vessel. We're talking, mm. we, I put a Hozier album on the list. Wasteland baby just came out this year. It's a great album. And again, kind of on the same line as um, a brief inquiry by the 1975, they've got a, got some a little bit like of the same um thematics going on or i could say paramore with after laughter um but i think i'm probably gonna go with after laughter and we just yeah. about why um but yeah after laughter would be a good pick for me i feel like what about you kyle well uh we've already discussed the wonder years so i will forgo them and instead go to afi's burials mm. um the thing with afi is they're a very niche band almost where you know what you're going to get with their uh, albums. It's going to be dark, hard rock. Davey Havoc is just going to wax poetic and uh, do some amazing vocal work. And despite almost knowing what the next album they're going to put out is going to sound like, somehow every release they put out tops the one that came before it. And uh, Burials was very impressive when it came out. And... um, Honestly, the only reason that the Blood album uh, topped it on this list was that AFI made it a semi-self-titled album where, you know, it's just kind of, this is us. This is, we put our name on this album. uh, And it really does define their sound. And I have noticed that on uh, some of the AFI fan pages on Facebook, I've accidentally set up a little battle there having trying to discuss which one's better (laughs) because of this article yep (laughs) that is hilarious the afi fan sites love it's all dead man you specifically because you're the one that writes about him but it 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 never ceases to amaze me every time like we even write one sentence about afi the uh the afi fanzines come out of the woodwork it's (laughs) and and thank you no i (laughs) it's great for us uh greatly appreciate it i'm glad they're reading our stuff um so last question 
what artist in your mind owned the decade in a sense of when we look back at the 2010s, this is the artist that we're going to think about and we're going to remember. Um, yeah. I will, I'll go last. Nadia, you go first. Well, no, I'll take yours. I think. <laughs> Unless you're going to say Kanye, because then I won't take yours. That's not my choice. So, Excellent. can I take yours? That that is not my choice. So. Okay, well, my choice is going to be. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Taylor Swift. Um, uh-huh. Since she just won Artist of the Decade the other day, I would say that'd be a pretty solid choice. Um, yeah, you know, well, that, yeah, a lot of sense. great albums. Personally, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. Um, that's another topic for another day, but. Um, you can't deny that she obviously deserves to be named artist of the decade she released. Let me look at this. Um, she released five albums in the decade and all of them were pretty good. So, I mean, I would say she deserves it out of everybody. What's yours, Kyle? Honestly, I was going to say Taylor Swift as well. Uh, (laughs) Mostly just because, um, you know, her album Red pulled me in and it was, you know, a half, mostly country album. And I am not the biggest fan of country music, but it got me invested. And after that, she completely changed her sound. She completely changed the genre that, um, you know, she writes music in and completely owned that genre. Um, and I believe when 1989 came out, that album single-handedly saved the record industry or something along the, it's a story I read a long time ago. Like it saved that year's, uh, uh, profit margins, other words, um, <laughs> but it's just uh, she continues to impress and uh, Lover that just came out this year is one of my favorite albums and honestly the only reason it didn't make this list is it was within the top 15 and it just had to be cut for me yeah so here's the thing and obviously it's hard to argue with Taylor Swift just in terms of like cultural conversation cultural relevancy, um, album sales. I mean, almost any angle you want to look at it, Taylor Swift is, is that right. And, and you both made the argument for it. And I, you know, it, you can't, you can't argue with it um, just because of the impact that she's had this decade. Now you're about to though. (laughs) Now. Yeah. Given everything that we've said about this decade, the problem with Taylor Swift as being like the artist that owns this decade is that she has been um, like historically uh, milk toast and middle of the road in terms of really having anything to say about anything, right? Um, that's kind of been one of the biggest criticisms about her, and and creates a whole argument about like what what is the responsibility of an artist to say anything about anything, right? But Taylor Swift is somebody that people have asked time and time again to like actually like if you believe in x y and z like say it and take a stand about it and she did that during this album cycle with lover finally she is like okay i'm gonna support this group of people or i'm gonna have this to say um and again you can't fault her for that because like it's not it's not like every artist has to have that but given what this decade was it was on it got to a point of discomfort Right. And I think that's why it makes it hard for me to to give her that designation. So then who? Um, And I think it has to be an artist of color. And I think that for me, it's, again, K. 
Kendrick Lamar. Um, I think that the way that he was able to capture the um, black experience in America current day juxtaposed with um, just the historical, I think, systematic problems of our country while coming with such a nuanced and introspective, introspective approach with the music he was creating has created a dialogue that to me has been invaluable um, for people that both love hip hop and people that are rarely interested in hip hop, but have come into the conversation because of uh, Kendrick's approach and the music he's creating. So for me, um, when I, when I look back on the 2010s and I think about the things that mattered to me and I think about the things that happened, I feel like I'm going to think about Kendrick Lamar. And so, um, yeah, that's why I would say that. So that, uh, I don't know, are we missing anything? What have we not covered that we should before we sign off on this? I don't think anything. I think we talked about everything. We talked about everything. I think so. You agree, Kyle? Solving the world's problems one part at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Any honorable mentions we'd like to uh, throw out? Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good well, question. Isley the Valley, for sure, for me, mm-hmm. and Yellow Card Southern Air, I would say, are the two that stuck out the most that I felt bad about not making the cut. Uh, for me, I had my or, uh, Motion City Soundtracks, My Dinosaur Life. Oh. And mm-hmm. Fireworks Gospel. Yes, I, I was wondering about that one for you. Okay. Um, I deleted my honorable mentions, so I don't remember <laughs> some of them, but that's okay. I had a lot. I always have a lot. Um, you guys always watch me narrowing down my list. I really wish everybody else could because it's really a work <laughs> of art. Um, I would say probably something by Amberlynn, maybe kind of definitely falling back towards the emo rock vein. Um, well, Vital and Dark is the Way, Light is a Place, both. Yeah. I mean, I, you could argue either of those. On the I would list. actually say Lowborn, their last album. Uh, I know a lot of people really? don't like it, but I love it. I actually was listening to it earlier today. Hmm. Um, great, great album. Nice. All right. Well, thank you both for doing this list. And the great news is that it's time to make some more lists because it's almost the end of the year. So I'm sure you are as excited as I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. And thank you for uh, coming to It's All Dead. If you have not checked us out lately, head over to itsalldead.com. You can read uh, write-ups we did about all 30 of the albums that we included on the list. Um, I think you'll get a kick out of that, especially if you're an AFI fan. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you like our podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you would, because it really helps us out. I have one more right. thing to plug. Do it. Sorry. Um, uh, previous podcast, um, Kyle, you interviewed Taylor Markarian. Her book, From the Basement, is out now. You can get it on Amazon. I, hey. I'm about to order a copy. Um, there you go. I'm excited about it. So. Yeah. That was a that was a great interview, and I'm excited to read that book. So check it out. Um, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.